I have talked to this woman for years, met her uh, when I've given some speeches for this great organization, and it's an awesome pleasure to have her on the program because I, I feel like I've known her long before I met her, and I, I kind of felt like she's been on the program before. I don't think she has. Kara Dennis joins us. She is press secretary and spokesperson for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Kara, good afternoon and welcome. I'm glad to have you here with us. Hi, Leslie. Thank you for having me. This actually is my first time, but uh, I've seen you many times and we've spoken, so uh, it doesn't feel like the first time. I know, I know. It's like we've been dating and we actually <laughs> now, uh, you know, got dressed up and did it, right? Uh, you know, there is, is something uh, during the campaign that uh, at the time Donald Trump, who was running for president, is now president, would uh, say. And, you know, he, he, he would talk negatively about unions. Um, he would talk negatively like so many, uh, you know, not all uh, Republicans do, but many Republicans do, um, about uh, unions and, you know, states that have union workers, about how people are making too much money. And, you know, there is a a movement in, in many states and certainly on a nationwide level by those that demonize, demonize unions to have more and more, if not all of our states, right to work states. And uh, there is legislation, obviously, that has been put forth. And I, first of all, I understand and I want you to speak to the Teamsters strong opposition to this. But I also want to talk to why, because one of the things we do here, Kara, as you know, we present facts and the facts are just when you look at the pure numbers, right to work states are hurting. It hurts the workers. It hurts our industries like manufacturing. So let's talk about Teamsters' opposition, strong opposition to the national right-to-work legislation. Sure. Well, let me be clear that this is nothing short of an all-out assault on workers, this national right-to-work legislation. Uh, We've seen it come up before, but we're seeing it come up last week. uh, It came up again. And it's unlike anything that we've seen in decades in terms of what's happening on the state level. So to talk to the, the to speak to the national level, two Republican congressmen, Steve King of Iowa and uh, Joe Wilson of South Carolina, introduced this bill last week on national right to work. Uh, I don't even want to call it right to work. It's what I would call so-called right to work because it's not giving anyone any rights on the job. Let's be clear about that. Uh, it's unconscionable that this would come up, and it doesn't do anything to create jobs. It doesn't do anything to build the middle class. It just basically enriches the wealthy corporate interest and the donors at the expense of the working people in this country. So we're seeing this introduction on a national level of right to work. Uh, and at the state level, uh, Missouri just became uh, the 28th right to work state on Monday. Uh, before that, it was Kentucky. And there's a clear pattern here. There's a history to this that I can talk a little bit about. But there's a pattern here of a concerted effort in legislatures around the country to break workers and their unions. Uh, If you look at the history of it, uh, right-to-work states cropped up in the 1940s after legislation was passed by uh, Republican Congress uh, to allow for right-to-work to be decided in the states. And so you saw a bunch of right-to-work states crop up in the 1940s, but we really haven't seen it uh, to this degree since then. And just from 2010 until today, six states have gone right-to-work. This is not uh, this is not a coincidence. This is because a concerted effort is taking place in states to uh, to push right to work and to try to pass right to work at, at any way that they can. I, I want to um, have people fully understand. Uh, many people listening, you all have heard about the National Labor Relations Act and Railway Labor Act. And uh, this would amend that, basically. Uh, This would damage uh, right to work in all states, an actual right to work. This is what President Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa, had to say, Teamsters General President, quote, 
right to work is wrong for working people. We heard it during the presidential election. Workers are speaking out that they want good union jobs and a strong voice at work. The last thing they want is their working conditions roll back and their rights stripped by billionaire interests like ALEC and the Koch brothers, with advocate for low, which advocate for lower standards for workers through right to work. Um, Kara, are, are you surprised, because I am, that Wilson and King would technically spit in the face of individuals who voted Republicans in the House, in the Senate, and in the White House, the, these you know middle-class, blue-collar workers that don't want to do away with unions, that don't want right-to-work states. They just want jobs and a decent working, living wage and proper health care, all of which uh, the Teamsters, as a, a huge prime example, and unions do by standing in the gap and fighting for those very things for workers. You're exactly right. This presidential election was in large degree about jobs. We heard a lot of talk about jobs. Uh, people want not only just jobs, they want good union jobs. This is a huge priority for working people right now, and it's very clear when national right to work is pushed that it's not being pushed in the interest of working people. We're not benefiting from it. When you look at right to work, the states that have the highest poverty levels are right to work states. Uh, the states with the highest unemployment are right to work states. The states with the fewest protections for workers, with the lowest wages, about $6,000 a year, uh, less in right to work states than in non right to work states. You can see that the people, working people, are not the ones that are benefiting from this. And I'm glad you mentioned the National Labor Relations Act because that came about in 1935. And what um, some of your listeners might not know is that actually came as a direct result of a Teamster strike in 1934 in Minneapolis that was uh, a bloody strike. Workers were left bleeding on the streets, fighting for their rights. You finally get the Relations Act, National Labor Relations Act, which uh, encourages collective bargaining. But then you have this tide turn in the 40s towards right to work, and now it's up to the states. Uh, but, you know, these legislators who want to leave a lot of things up to the states uh, are deciding now that they want to go after workers' rights on a national level. And, uh, you know, it's just unconscionable, as I said before. It's just so egregious. Uh, but they are, you know, they are, they are pushing it on the state level as well. Um, we've had huge fights. The Teamsters have been standing up against this. This is not something that has happened overnight. As I said, it's been uh, several years where year after year in Missouri is a good example. We had workers, the labor movement, anyone that had any sense about how outrageous these attacks are come out after year after year. They actually passed it in 2015 in the legislature, and then Governor Jay Nixon, who's a Democrat, vetoed it. Well, so hang on to do? that thought, Kara. Hang on to that thought. We could take a break. I want you to finish that. We have some calls. And when she's talking about workers in states with right-to-work laws that have less uh, money annually, that's 12.1%, folks. We'll be back. back. She is with us as well, press secretary and spokesperson for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Kara Dennis. Uh, Kara, um, thank you for holding. Welcome back. And I apologize for interrupting there. Um, we were talking about right to work states. We were talking about legislation. And even though this the, the name of it, right to work, sounds good, it's not. It's deceptive. You talked about, on average, that workers in states with the right to work laws make over $6,000 a year less. That's 12.1%. And you were saying some other things before the break. And I apologize because of time I had to interrupt. Please continue. Sure, no problem. 
Well, I, I kind of want to take a step back here for your listeners who may not be familiar with what right to work is, because it sounds really nice, right? Right to work. And, and who would argue against uh, a term that sounds so nice? But what is it really? It's actually really carefully crafted language to make something sound good that's actually really dangerous for the working people in this country. Um, an example that I'd like to use is if you and I um, went to a restaurant and we ate the same meal and then we enjoyed the same meal, and then when it comes time to pay the bill, I pay the bill and, and you don't, or vice versa. Uh, so you're getting all the benefits of something without uh, contributing to it. And that's essentially what Right to Work uh, enables. It enables free ridership. It enables um, it, what it ends up actually doing is hurting workers' unions because it undercuts their bargaining power. It undercuts their union, and that's exactly what happens with Right to Work. And that is exactly what these billionaire interests uh, and these corporate interests uh, are supportive of, uh, of Right to Work. That's the reasons why. Um, and, and people should not just be concerned about it that are in unions or not in unions. Everyone should be concerned. You know, unless you're a CEO that's making 335 times the salary of the average worker, right to work impacts you wherever you are and in whatever state. And if this national right to work that has been introduced is, is such a serious thing is that it would mandate all 50 states be right to work and there'd be no choice. And I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, anybody listening to, thinks about what about me? How does this impact me? How does this affect me? What if I'm not in union? What if I'm not in that industry? And I'm glad that you pointed out that out because that's answering a question that runs around in a lot of people's minds. Let's take some calls. Pick up the phone and join us. Questions for Kara, 8886 Leslie, 888 Let's go to Manassas, Virginia first on line three with Ishmael. Ishmael, good afternoon. Welcome. Question or comment for Kara from the Teamsters. Thank you so much, uh, Leslie. Good to hear your voice. Uh, thank a greeting to your guests. Um, you know, I really think that this is one issue that I think can unite both Republican and, and Democrat because it affects everybody. You know, this is basically these petrobillionaires and this Koch brother, you know, stepping on the little guy basically and, 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 and just, I mean, not, not being cared about anybody. And this is, is prom- promoted by Jim DeMent and the Heritage Foundation. And I think it's something that we need to focus on in, in this four-year election to make sure that we remove Donald Trump um, out of uh, the White House. My question is to you guess is what, what would be your advice for the Democratic Party to, to capitalize on this opportunity and to make an issue? What would you like him to see to do? And to, I'll take myself the phone. Thank you. All right, Ishmael. Thank you. Kara? Well, both parties really need to stand up on this issue. Unfortunately, what we've seen is we've had uh, two members of Congress, Republicans, put forth national right-to-work legislation, and the states that we're seeing right-to-work uh, going through, such as in Missouri, um, Kentucky, we're seeing Republican-controlled legislatures. But as we saw in the presidential election, jobs was a big issue, and not just jobs, but good jobs and union jobs. And it's really upon leaders of both parties, whoever, if they're Republican or Democrat, to really take the opportunity to stand up on this issue, to stand up on the right side of the constituents. Because at the end of the day, when election time comes around again, these workers are not going to forget who either attacked them or supported them. And I think we'll see that that's going to be very clear. 
Uh, I, I agree, especially when most people say they voted for Donald Trump based on the economy, even, you know, a, a lot of union people and some of those people who may have voted Democrat in the past and just felt, hey, you know, the core issues for them was the economy and obviously a huge part of the economy are jobs, jobs, jobs. But it's not just about jobs and it's not just about bringing uh, jobs back. Um, speaking of Kara, I just want to say um, a lot of promises that uh, President Trump has made There are already people I'm seeing online going, hey, what about the jobs? What about the economy? Because a lot lot of executive orders aren't looking to fulfill those promises that I think the majority of people, especially the majority of the working class, the middle class majority of our nation, the backbone of our nation, voted and elected him uh, to bring forth. Well, we've seen some – so we've seen some actually things that have been encouraging to us in the early days. And obviously, it is the early days. There's there's a lot more uh, to go here. But uh, the withdrawal from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, I think, was uh, something that we fought for for a long time and uh, fought very hard for it because that would be a direct impact on American jobs. And so the withdrawal from that was actually a, a positive point for us uh, as we move forward and look at uh, NAFTA, possible renegotiation of NAFTA. We're going to be looking very closely at that. Uh, and any actions that we can take to support and protect our members, and, and not only our Teamster members, but workers in general, uh, you know, we're going to be closely monitoring it because that is our priority. Uh, no, no question about, about that. Um, I want to speak to um, even more specifics as we started with regard um, to uh, right to work and um, how it is uh, so uh, deceptive. Uh, nine of the ten states with the highest poverty rates you had mentioned before the break are right-to-work states. You talked about how workers uh, make less money and uh, that those individuals in those states, those workers, are less likely to have employer-paid health care, also pensions. Um, They're more likely to die in accidents on the job. So how is this getting passed and sold to the American people on both a state and now a federal level? Well, I think they've been very clever about the language that they've used with right to work, and that's incumbent upon us. It's incumbent upon uh, folks in the progressive movement, from the labor movement, to really work to educate uh, not just our members but the general population. Our members know how dangerous this is, uh, but I think it's an education thing. I think it's also um, that you've seen the whether it's gerrymandering, uh, the tides changing in local districts where – uh, elected leaders have come about now who have really pushed for this, pushed forward for right to work. Uh, we saw Missouri uh, the other day, and it was interesting to see that the, the governor signed this bill. You know, it wasn't just enough that this bill was signed and, and done quickly and moved on, but that would be egregious enough. But they actually went on a tour to sign the bill and went to an abandoned, or, or not an abandoned, but an old empty factory as if to show, you know, right to work is going to change everything. But even the owner of the building said that the closing had nothing to do with the fact that the, the state didn't have right to work. Um, if you look at a state like New Hampshire, where there's some efforts happening there right now in early stages of introducing it, New Hampshire has the lowest unemployment rate in the nation, uh, and it is a free bargaining state. Yeah. So these wealthy interests have put a lot of money and a lot of resources into electing folks that will be on their side with trying to pass right to work, and they're returning the favor when they get into office. And it's upon everyone who's listening to this program or who's concerned about working people to say, hey, this is not acceptable. Uh, And I think activism is growing as a result of it. 
Let's take more calls. We go to Rod on line three in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, hey, Rod, good afternoon. Question or comment for Kara? Uh, yeah, I got some comments. Uh, and believe me, like I said, and I used to work as a government employee, and I could give you so many examples uh, where, you know, where people have been uh, messed over uh, as, as far as the working man is concerned. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, I went to a hearing. Uh, I was a uh, compliance auditor with the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation, which is supposed to be a publicly uh, run uh, fund, but uh, has been effectively privatized by the service companies, which are mainly employed by the uh, or mainly owned by the uh, larger national insurance companies. And they, by the way, uh, there's only six states in this country that uh, have. Public uh, employ, you know, uh, or uh, workers' compensation funds. Uh, the rest of them have uh, private insurance. And on the one side, you had the claimant, probably, uh, you know, like I said, the guy was on, you know, basically out of work because he was injured and so forth. On the other side, there was uh, the employer or somebody representing the employer, uh, his curve, his uh, service company rep, and their lawyer. So I saw right there that that was a stacked deck. And I also wanted to mention there was a uh, book written uh, several years back. I happened to run across it in the Worthington Public Library, and I wish I could remember who wrote it. But uh, this guy was uh, an executive at uh, Texas Instruments, and it was basically a textbook on union busting. And I have seen so many examples, too, like uh, with uh, illegal aliens. Uh, another uh, talk show host was talking about them earlier. Um, basically, these people are employed, in some cases, knowingly employed by employers. And if they cause any problems or whatever, uh, just call uh, immigration, and uh, they'll get rid of them for you. And that gets through the, gate, the, the uh, grapevine that... Uh, um, you know, these, uh, you know, if you complain, uh, you're out of there. Interesting. Because of time, I want Kara to be able to respond to that because we've got to take a, a couple more calls. Kara? Yeah, I would just say, uh, I don't know if we're running up on time, but just in short that, you know, there's plenty of textbooks on union busting. Uh, you know, we know that they're out there. We know the playbook and, and the break to work is definitely uh, a prime example of, of union busting. Uh, and I would just say that for, you know, people – for people not to feel powerless, uh, for them to understand that the agency that they have, if there's anything that they can do, it's get involved locally. You know, contact your members of Congress, let them know how you feel on this issue, uh, let them know that right to work is wrong for your state. You can join a union, uh, it, it, you can encourage your coworkers to. There's a lot of things that can be done, so I don't think people should feel powerless in this issue. Uh, should we take one more call, Kara, or should we let you go? I know you're pressed for time. We have somebody else coming up uh, to talk about an, uh, yet another a Teamster issue, which I want people to be aware of. So I'm sure. going to leave it up to you. Uh, if you have the time, I'm, I'm happy to stay on. Okay, great. Let's take another call. Scott is on line four in West Palm Beach, Florida. Scott, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm a Teamster member. I've been so for almost 30 years. I just want to give people that you know, aren't in the, the front lines of a basic understanding of what happens. When you have a right-to-work state like the one I'm from, uh, you have a right not to be in the union if you don't want to be. And basically, you're getting the same thing I'm getting for free. But what that means is less people in the union, less people contributing to the union, 
that means we have less business agents. So when a, a problem arises where we have to file a grievance because of unsafe working conditions, uh, salaries that aren't being paid properly, that business agent is stretched thin like a public defender that doesn't have enough funding. So he can't be everywhere at once, and we can't hire more because there's not money. So grievances get pushed back to the bottom of the pile, and guess what? The management knows this. So they keep violating the contract because they know you can't get a business agent there. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where people get frustrated that they don't have a business agent that can show up in a timely fashion. So they drop out of the union. Uh, you know, it's a daily battle to get people to stay in the union because once they're all out of the union, we're, we're done. It's like we don't have representation. So I'm telling people right now this is a union-busting tool from the, you know, the corporate overlords. You have to fight it every step of the way. Arm yourself with knowledge. We have to stick together. That's what a union's all about. Excellent and well uh, said, Scott. Uh, Kara, closing remarks. I would say thank you, brother, for calling, and he put it uh, be- even better than I could. It's uh, it's something that we're fighting against. We need to keep vigilant about. Thank thank you so much for having me on the show. Kara, we love uh, having you on the show, and you got to come back. Kara Dennis, press secretary and spokesperson for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. We're going to take a quick break, come back with another great guest. Go to Teamster.org for more information. Follow them on Twitter at Teamsters, and be sure to also like them on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Teamsters. 